0: Hey, everybody, there are some – oh, were you going to do it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> having, I thought you wanted no, me no, to do it. doesn't even matter. That was great. We're, Here you we're do it you, techni- it. you do it. You do it. We're having ahead. technical difficulties. Wait, uh, wait, um, wait, wait no, we'll start off. No, no, I don't want to start over. This is the perfect thing. Everybody's going to be like, that's how we are. Okay, go ahead. We're having technical difficulties uh, on our recording. It's just a connection speed issue. So if you hear it's a weird like, glitches and pops and artifacts and stuff, don't stress it. It's just – it's our own problem. It's not your problem. So It's not your computer.
0: Thanks. Okay. Bye. (laughs)
1: art society podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues including dark art as well as other kinds of art literature film music also culture philosophy dreams paranormal experiences magic and a whole lot more than that i'm mike correll director of chet's art i like to paint monsters and you are listening to the dark art society
0: podcast hosted by renowned artist chet you're on the air doesn't that sound professional is on the air we're on the air man. We're on the What is up? Web. What's up? Uh, not much. Just a hot hot ass day in California. Yeah. How's the weather over yeah, there? It's
1: pretty It's mild. Uh, actually last night I decided kind of spur of the moment I was I was actually watching Escape from New York because remember how you had been going off to me about how I needed to see it and I'd never seen it. Uh-huh. So, I was watching it on Netflix and then and more or less as a break from other work I was doing. And then I went outside to smoke a cigarette, and I was like, you know, this would be a good evening for a fire. So I took the wheelbarrow and went up and hauled a bunch of wood out of my neighbor's field down here and set out by the fire last night for like, I don't know, four and a half hours, burned a big old fire, brought the dogs out there, played my hand drum and stuff, just Uh grooved in with the stars and the elements. It was pretty awesome. Sounds fun. Yeah,
0: good times. Good times. Well, I didn't have anything like that happen. Except I saw the (laughs) new Twin Peaks, which is amazing. Yeah, I know. I'm, I want to see it. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> he means that you should see the expression on his face. No, it's so amazing. So good. So well, great. I wouldn't expect I wouldn't really expect anything less. Yeah, you know? he's one of those guys that hasn't lost it. Oh, hell no. Just super cool.
1: He's never the thing about him is I, I imagine that he will go to his grave with so many amazing things that he wasn't able to get to. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah I'm
0: sure. I'm sure he's definitely tapped he's, in. But he's that, one of those idea people. That is one of the uh, questions that someone asked. So that will that's a great lead into today's subject of the Dark Art Society podcast, which is and the segue is questions and answers. We answer your. Deepest, darkest questions. No, unless I just,
1: if Chet find, finds them so offensive that he <laughs> is not able to do so, in which delete. case I, you I, will take a pass.
0: I had to delete a couple, but generally, it is generally he had to great. delete
1: some. Even that's how raunchy they got, guys. Well,
0: once you know, once someone disrupts the flow, then everyone starts talking about your balls or something, and that's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like just better to delete it. But um, I just posted uh, earlier today. I posted on Facebook and Instagram and asked for your questions and uh, I Lots. guess, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of questions and a lot of great questions. So I, th- I guess Mike will read them off alternating between yeah, J- so Instagram gonna- and Facebook or something.
1: Yeah, I think that's the best way to be fair to both platforms. So I'll pick one off Instagram first, and then I'll navigate to the Facebook questions. I'm going to go ahead and read off handles here and names, too, just so that we can be true to the person that asked the question. And of course, we're only going to make it so far, so this may turn into a second episode. But we've had a lot of people asking for this, you know, being able to uh, directly ask questions and have answers to them on the show. So this is it. Here it is. So pay attention.
0: Okay, I'm, I'm ready. I'm paying attention. You ready? Okay, so, so we're on. <laughs> You're like, pay <laughs> attention, and then you just start looking off.
1: <laughs> I, thought, I thought I didn't have to pay attention if everybody else was. So Instagram, uh, this is ACW Studio. It says, Chet, what
0: mediums do you use for your oils? Well, that's a very easy one, and that is liquid. L-I-Q-U-I-N, liquid, not liquid. So that's from Windsor Newton, and that is a dry alkyd painting medium and basically when I paint with oils I dip a little my brush in a little bit of liquid and I mix it in my paint and that increases the flow of the paint and it also makes it dry overnight so each layer will be dry the next day and I could start on it the next day
1: well there you go so ACW studio there's your answer so on Facebook now we have Michael Broom says so I noticed you Okay. I'm just going to read it the way it says. So if you had typos, I'm sorry, you didn't edit those before I read them. (laughs) So I noticed you work from your own studies. I guess I would like to know a bit about your workflow, how much quote planning goes into a piece. Thank you, Michael.
0: Yes. Did did we talk about this in a past episode about the sketch and the study and all that. I thought we did, but maybe yeah, we've talked
1: about, we have, we, you what, we talked about that on the creative, the creative processes or the, whatever that episode was called.
0: Okay. Well, I'll, I'll just do a quick run through for those who haven't. Nutshell. The nutshell version. Um, <clears throat> I usually start off doodling. I come up when I get a doodle. I like, I refine it into a, uh, a thumbnail sketch, try and keep it very simple. Oh, there goes your phone. Um, Then I, from the sketch, I usually do a 5 by 7 or some small study where I kind of paint the thing. Once I get the composition and stuff worked out in the sketch, I'll block in a study and, you know, not spend more than a couple hours on it just to get the – figure out my colors and the lighting and, uh, you know, further refine the composition or whatever. And then I – move on to the final piece once I have the study done, and I kind of use the study uh, to work from as a a map, sort of. So I used to paint just straight, uh, paint the big painting right away with no prep, but there's a lot of problems with that approach for me anyway. So it's, you know, it's pretty planned out. It's planned out to a certain point, but I can elaborate on it and change as I go. I try, But I try to make sure the composition is going to be right, the colors are going to be right, and all the basics, you know, the, the foundation is right. And then I can kind of elaborate from there if I want to play on it.
1: Nice. I think that that was very well uh, said there, Chuck, because a lot of the time you've complained to me that you have a hard time saying things concisely, and that was very concise. Nice <laughs> well, job. thank
0: you, Mike. Appreciate that. Mike. <laughs>
1: Anytime, Chubbs, moving <laughs> on to Phantasm 84 here on Instagram. Alright. Sorry. Which of your piece <laughs> which of your pieces holds the most sentimental value to you? I know what that is. Do you know what that is? I imagine that I do. What do you think it would be? I would say chronic
0: anxiety. Oh, interesting. That wasn't the one. I'm wrong then. But that <laughs> is <laughs> that would be in my top five, probably, because that is kind of like a self portrait but the one that i the one that i really wish i never sold is black magic that's the one i kind of hold uh, dearest because i think it's you know one of my best paintings and i i've told the story too about how it came in a flash i don't know if i told it on here but i did it in the documentary i think but it just popped in my head out of nowhere the finished painting popped in my head just when i was walking into my my little cellar where i used to work And I had the image of the finished painting in my head, which rarely happens to me. Usually I have to really kind of work through it to figure it out. And um, I did a digital study quickly, which I'd like to find that because that's on a computer somewhere. I'd like to see that. And then I just painted it. I didn't even do a study because I just saw it in my mind and I knew how it was supposed to look. So I would have to go with black magic. Yeah, that's
1: legit. I, I can see cuz I've I've asked you a few times like what's your favorite painting you also said Woman with a Spiderweb fan also is yeah. up there as as yeah. a favorite but not necessarily the most sentimental as it were.
0: Right. Yeah, that's yeah. That's got technical things about it I really like. The underpainting showing through and stuff, but overall I'd have to say Black Magic just cuz it's and it's also so iconic and kind of I think the coolest my coolest character. Well, at least you know who has it. That, you know, there's always That's that. true. Chris Velasco. <laughs> I can go Indeed. visit him anytime. Oh. No?
1: Okay, so we're moving back to Facebook here now. Lorna asked, Lorna mess asked uh, like six questions in a row. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to Do you want me just to pick one? Do you want me to do them all? How do you want to do this?
0: Um, I don't know. Maybe pick Maybe pick the best one and we can get back to her if we get through everything. Because we should get everyone. Every okay. Of, uh, one well, well, there's question. there's
1: two there's two good ones, but I'm okay. curious the most about what is the soundtrack to your life? That's <laughs> the one I want to know about, Lorna. Thanks for that question.
0: I think it would be Yackety sacks, the Benny Hill thing. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> soundtrack to my life. Probably no means no. Wrong. That album. That's probably the soundtrack to my life. Yeah. Um I don't that's a weird question. I don't know. That's a weird question. <laughs> uh You know, I like so much music it'd be hard to pick one. I have different soundtracks for different moods. She so, wants to know the overall soundtrack <laughs> for your life.
1: That's you know, come on now.
0: It hasn't been written yet. How about uh, the Dark the Dark Art Society theme song? <laughs> When I walk into a room, that starts playing. <laughs> that, that's your jam, huh? <laughs> that's my jam. <laughs> uh, what's her second question? Because I didn't think I'd have a very good Oh, you want to do
1: another her. one? Okay, so I like this one, too. Uh, she says, what keeps you awake at night?
0: Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Probably bills, money issues. <laughs> <That's> seriously it. <laughs> I believe it. That's, that's about it. That's... I feel like I ha- everything in my life is perfect, except there's never enough money. So um, that keeps me awake at night. Uh, but I haven't been worrying as much uh, lately, not in the past year or so. I seem to have gotten a better handle on that. But I would have to say bills. That's legit. I think a lot
1: of people are laying awake at night because of bills.
0: Yeah, like everybody. Pretty much. <laughs> well you, I can Laura. say that That's even though I I find
1: myself in a difficult financial position more often than not, I, I bills do not keep me awake at night. So there's that. They don't? That's good. No. No. Good good for you. I don't have a no problem with that. I mean don't get me wrong, I'm just as stressed out about not having money, but they don't keep me awake at night. I don't think about it like that. <laughs> When I'm laying in bed or anything. The other thing that The you... farthest thing in my mind. I was, I was seeing the weirdest shit in my head last night. It was like, it was so funny because it, it was the kind of stuff you'd see if you were on psychedelics and you had your eyes closed. Like it was that clear and concise and mm. tight and imagery doing wow. all the stuff that seemingly has nothing to do with you. It was just happening all on its own and it was so ridiculous. It was like so, was like laughably ridiculous. I was having quite the fun time watching it happen.
0: Wow. What did it look like? Like geometric well, it shapes was like, or.
1: No, no. It was like real like scenes of things happening like, and they were just morphing into one another. So like the first thing I remember seeing was this gigantic white bunny rabbit and it, it looked exactly like a regular white bunny rabbit except for it was huge and it like turned its head and bit the air in front of me and kind of tore that whole piece of the my vision away. And then this guy's head came out of it. He was like a cartoon kind of goofy <laughs> looking character, and his eyeballs kind of boinged way out of his head and came back in. Wow! And then this funny looking gloved fist came up and hit him in the mouth, and his teeth blew out everywhere. It was just that ridiculous. so cool! And it was like on and on and on and on and on. Wow! <laughs>
0: like a spontaneous cold, DMT yeah. experience. Like your 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 mind, your brain, release some DMT.
1: It was wild. It was funny though too, and I was just sitting there like. You can't even make this shit up, man. Only the (laughs) unconscious, you know, the subconscious is the only thing that could combine these random elements together in such a strange, you know, ballet of absurdity.
0: (laughs) That's cool. Yep.
1: Okay. So moving on. Sorry about the tangent. Uh, Instagram art by twisted. Well, he says, what medium, if there are any, have you not tried that you'd like to try out someday?
0: Yeah, that would be easy. That would be interpretive dance. <laughs> <laughs> I can so picture it already. That's the terrifying just thing. Just kidding, just kidding. Uh, let's see. That's a good question. Um, you know, I'd like to try, believe it or not, I'd like to, it's not really a medium, I guess, but it's more of a style, but I would like to try abstract art. mm just for the hell of it, just because I kind of <clears throat> I watched this documentary. I never got abstract art. I always I didn't like it. Never liked it since I was a kid. I, I thought it sucked. And then I watched this uh, <laughs> uh, Gerhard Richter documentary. This abstract expressionist painter. His name's Gerhard Richter, I think. And uh huh. And, I, and I, it totally clicked and I understood it after watching that documentary. Kind of the same way with uh, huh. uh, after watching that Warhol documentary, I got Pop Art and what he was doing. And I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. You know, it's, you know, he was like, there's no meaning. It's just about making a cool shapes and colors, you know. And I was like, okay, I get that. I get mm-hmm. that. You know, it's just a different yeah. way of, of seeing and a different way of painting. And so I'd like to, I, I would like to try that. Um, as far as mediums, well, that's I can't, interesting. I feel like I've tried pretty much everything I've wanted to try. Uh, oh, I'd like to try, uh, like what you do, like, uh, mixed media assemblage type stuff. I would like to try to try mm-hmm. that, you know? Um, oh man, you could do it. I could picture you doing some pretty incredible stuff with that. Oh, it seems like it'd be super fun. And I've done small, it is. <laughs> I am sure I've done some small things like that. Just with stuff laying around, like that Uncle Sam little toy. Did you see that? When it was in a mouse trap, mm-hmm. laying in a mouse trap, mm-hmm. this old cool mousetrap trap I had. I thought that's in the documentary. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, was, but that was just like you know, it was sitting there, and I just put it in the mouse trap, and it's like, hey, it's art. But um, <laughs> it's a ready-made. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, those are those. Are, that's it.
1: Well, I'd love to see you do some assemblage work because I mean, again, I think I find it to be the most enjoyable kind of artwork for myself, oh, yeah. um, but I'd love to see what you did with it. I'd love to see your, your spin on it, you know? Yeah,
0: thanks. You know, another thing would be dior- dioramas. Yeah, like, that's a lot of fun
1: too. I that love that, that shit.
0: would be so cool. Di- di- diorama, diorama. That'd be so cool. Mm-hmm. Little figures, a couple little figures, like sur- dark, surreal dioramas.
1: I wanna see a dystopia diorama. Yeah, That's what we, yeah. Tabletop Dystopia Diorama.
0: So many ideas. I love that so kind of time. stuff.
1: I mean when I that was actually part of my favorite part when I was making Chetzar I Like to Paint uh-huh. Monsters is that stop action scene, that haunting scene, because I gotta oh, yeah. build the whole you know, build this little tiny room and figure it all out and like figure out how to get the camera to get the angles I need in the small space. So the glass bottom, you know, Lexan floor so I could shoot through the floor and shit. Right. And just, it's like, it's so much fun because it's like, you have this idea and then you start to build it and see it take shape. And then when you put the camera on it and you frame it up, mm. all of a sudden it becomes larger than life. And now you've created this whole other world. It's really right. exciting.
0: I love that kind of shit. Yeah. F- I guess film would, okay. film would be another too.
1: Which well, I, and you've done a lot of obviously film, but you've never like, you know, made your own
0: film. Right. But I've see I've done a lot of film. I did film when I was nine or 10 years old and I got my dad's super eight camera. I used to, I was way into filmmaking and um, splicing and editing, you know, with a little, the film together, taping the film together. I was so into it to where I feel like I got a, a good understanding of it, but then I haven't done anything since I was a little kid. So I'm kind of yeah. chomping at the bit for that.
1: Well, again, guys, if you want to see any of that, uh, you guys, gotta grab a copy. I like to paint monsters because there's footage in there of these vi- these films he's oh, talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's right? true. Yeah, there were wacky, a-, a few wacky cool movies. little clips. <laughs> Chat with his cute little Devo shirt and his little black hat with the with the wool fears,
0: <laughs> blonde hair.
1: Yeah. Okay, moving on. Uh, Facebook now. Sarah Orange. Does my name confuse you?
0: Oh yeah, that was kind of a joke question I think. I already told her her name Sarah t- I have responded Sarah tastes like maple syrup and orange tastes like orange soda or orange crush. So oh, okay. it doesn't really confuse me. That's my synesthesia we're talking about. I have synesthesia where uh, words and names have flavors for those of you who don't know.
1: So it's just a so it's actually just a really sweet flavored name.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's what she's kind of mapley kind of orangey. <laughs> It's not like the two flavors combine. It's like Sarah is one flavor, orange is another. You know, okay. it's like it doesn't combine. It's
1: it's weird. So you, it's like having a sip of orange soda and then washing it down with some water and then squirting a little maple syrup in your mouth. <laughs> Pretty much. <Okay. laughs> Back to Instagram. Negative underscore Nick. What tools do you use for inspiration? And for anybody else that hasn't listened to it, we did just do an episode on inspiration and influences. So um, that, that'll that fit in there too. And Nick, if you haven't heard that, listen to that one because that'll give you a lot of information. But do, by all means, check, continue.
0: Yeah, that's, we we already covered that in a whole episode. I can't think of uh, anything else. That you didn't cover? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the upshot for me was looking at you know the biggest tools are looking at other art that i really like as far as getting me inspired seeing great films or great paintings or great sculptures or
1: great you know, just, music
0: yeah great music uh being inspired by other other artists pretty much you know
1: Yep. I think that that was kind of almost what that entire episode amounted to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Creative inspiration, I think might've been the the name of that, uh, that episode. Okay. So back to Facebook, Russell James Moberly, the works you created that tool uses in their shows, question mark. How did they come about? Was there choices for what art and why for the songs? I've always been interested in that. And like I said, I'm reading this exactly how yeah. it was written, so this <laughs> that's is a- not the way I would speak.
0: <laughs> that's fine. It's fine. Not, and
1: that's no shit on you. I know how it goes on Facebook, Russell. No worries. I'm just, I, again, I'm maintaining the posterity of how you wrote it. That is your voice.
0: I. That's a great question, too. Um, it is a great question. I haven't I, I, talked about it well. much. Yeah, I haven't talked about it much. Uh, so let's see. The, the, the visual stuff for the live shows, uh, that came about because in the and uh, around 1998, I think I got I, I got my first computer, and it cost five thousand dollars, and it had 64 megs of RAM. It was, you know, it's just amazing how how lame it was. 56k modem. It was. I remember like 56k modem. Oh my god, that's so fast connected to the internet. But uh, got a computer and i uh, had a friend who was a lightwave user which is a 3d program and he showed me some his name was elliot uh warman and a really cool guy and uh he showed me some basics on how to use lightwave 3d and i started making my own little animations because i always loved filmmaking when i was a kid and stop motion and stuff like that <clears throat> and what attracted me to the digital 3d stuff was that you could basically in a computer you could make a little base what's basically a stop motion film but digitally and that was appealing to me the way i, I could do everything just in the computer so i started getting into that um and the first big successful animation i did was uh, called, ended up being called Toilet Training. And that was, it's weird too, because I was just on this uh, podcast yesterday, or no, not yesterday, a couple days ago, Friday. And it was just posted yesterday. Uh, the Rock and Roll Beer Guy podcast on SoundCloud. Uh, maybe we could give him a link. I, I, I reshared on on our profile on SoundCloud. Cool. And he interviewed me and uh, we were talking about this, but I, <clears throat> I had a... Uh, A vision when I tripped around that same time on mushrooms, I believe, when I closed my eyes and I saw this this movie of you know what is now the toilet training animation, um, which is on my disturb the normal DVD and also in tools live live shows. But at the time, this was yeah, this was like in '87, so that was like ten years before. At the time, I didn't have any way to show anybody this imagery so when I started learning the computer and Lightwave I was like oh I can finally do this animation I saw 10 years ago in this trip when I closed my eyes and so I did a variation of it <clears throat> had a couple friends help me who were, were also learning the program um, and it was really cool and really weird and creepy and I sh- was showing it to Adam Jones who I was friends with at the time Um, he was, he was shooting some footage that they were going to use for their live show at the shop I was working at. Like we, my boss let us go in there and shoot these women, paint them, do their body, paint them up. They were naked and we did body painting. And then Adam just shot a bunch of weird video with lights moving all crazy and stuff. And they were using that for projections. And I think it was around there where I showed him this toilet training animation and ended up being called toilet training. Because it's got toilets in it, and (laughs) so he's like, "Hey, can we use that for the Tool Live show?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." And so then they used it. They started using it, and I think they still use it. Just a quick overview. It's you know a one one long smooth camera move. Camera comes out of a dark, a black doorway goes down a hallway and you can see some pictures of dead people on the wall they're real photos of like suicides and from the 40s and a scarecrow is in one of the pictures and then it goes down it keeps going down the hall and then this kind of weird caterpillar like maggoty thing comes down on a string and goes by the camera it continues to I guess dolly is the word going sideways you know it's not panning it's like Mm -hmm. on on a dolly sort of goes into this big room which looks like a an old high school gymnasium sort of and it's all dirty looking and there's arms and legs and a torso writhing on the ground and they're not not bloody or gory but they're heeled over where the neck would be and the shul- the arms and the legs on the torso so it's smoothed over everywhere you know what i'm saying You've seen it though. You've seen it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I love it. You're, you're explaining it really well. Keep going. <laughs> and I'm watching so, to my head. <laughs> there's like trash on the floor and a leaky pipe in the background. And then it, and there's the one guy waving the hand like that. Oh, that's right. The guy, I forgot about that. The guy, there's a guy in a suit, no head or whatever Yeah, with no head and no hand. One of his hands and one of his head, his head is one of his heads. His head <laughs> is missing. And one of his hands and the, and the hand that's missing is this empty, You know, it looks like the invisible man kind of in a suit, but his hand, the one that's, the arm that doesn't have a hand on it is waving as you go by. Then you go across, then you get, finally, it stops on these three old toilet stalls. And there's a guy there standing in front of the middle toilet stall looking in. And you can see the toilets are all disgusting on either side of him. There's three stalls. He's standing in front of the middle one and he's like naked, slightly heavy set guy with red hair and a black top hat and holding a barbecue fork and he's he's looking in the toilet stall and then he kind of turns around and looks at you and his eyes are glowing and then as he turns back around to look in the toilet the camera goes past him and down into the toilet and then it loops then it comes back out of the black doorway so anyway, he started using that.
1: So if you want to have a first-person POV experience of going down a Chet Chetzar's toilet, this is,
0: this is your chance to <laughs> it have it. That wasn't my toilet. It was my inner toilet, I guess. You created it, so <laughs> it is therefore yours. That's true. My inner toilet.
1: Own that shit,
0: bitch. <laughs> so uh, he started using that, and then I started getting more into digital stuff. They started using that for their live shows, and um, I believe using it for the song The Patient. Um, And then he hit me up for some more stuff. I think I did two other sessions where we created artwork for um, digital artwork for their live stuff, animation stuff. And I think the second one was stuff that I had been working on that, that he saw. And he's like, hey, can we use that? Or I forget how it went. Um, but the third time he had some concepts and he brought them to me. I think I th- I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think all the band members had kind of a concept to throw in. And so we did a bunch of stuff that was, uh, based on, on his concepts as well as a bunch of stuff that we just came up with. This was me and my business partner at the time. We did a digital company for a short period of time trying to do digital work, but it didn't, uh, didn't really pan out. Um, except for the tool stuff. So I don't know if
1: well in some ways people could say that, that that it really panned out because the tool thing was you <laughs> yeah, know pretty that, cool. Yeah, that was pretty a pretty much, cool thing for your
0: career. You yeah, know? that was pretty much it. But we did like some really bad science fiction movie where we did some effects. Oh, I
1: think you told me about that and I never I still haven't watched it watched it, but I remember you telling me about that.
0: Yeah. But um <clears throat> So I, as far as syncing them to the songs, I don't, that is probably Adam's thing. Like it's, it wasn't, nothing was designed as far as I know to go with any of the songs. It was more like, you know, just come up with cool stuff, you know, our style and we'll fit them in where we think's appropriate, except for maybe some of the ideas they brought to me may have, um, may have, he may have been thinking he was going to use them for certain songs. I don't know. So... Hmm that's kind of how cool. that all came about and then the, well, that's a great story yeah and they got a, a guy named junior who would who uh would control every all the, the lights and all the the projections via a keyboard i believe so he would be there at the show and he would start the loops going at a certain time and combine them and it's pretty sure. pretty amazing really neat
1: that's super cool so that's it like uh video disc jockey or something yeah yeah Very cool. All right. Well, now we're back to Instagram. We have Samuel Trumpy and he asks, "Which artist
0: are the masters of dark art?" Well, I would have to say Bekshinsky Giger, Goya, Hieronymus Bosch, Bosch, Hieronymus Bosch. <laughs> Hieronymus Bosch um I mean those are the big masters as far as I'm concerned the old guys I think modern you know modern dark art is it's really all about Bixinski and Giger for the most part you know Francis Bacon as well we, I mean we I th- didn't we talk about this mm-hmm. stuff also before
1: one yeah this was in our influence influence is oh, right, 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 right. one where we talked about a lot of them but but not all the ones we talked about were quote masters of dark art per se That's although true. quite a few were
0: those t- to me the- those are the two i think of when i think of my masters of dark art anyway you know what do you think yeah and uh, you you listed it right off i thought i thought that was pretty solid okay
1: all right. all right so back to facebook william butler bullwhip or iron
0: maiden oh, i know the man, answer Bill butler. <laughs> iron maiden of course yeah Juan. obviously <laughs> 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 wah, wah,
1: wah. okay back to instagram <laughs> carlos gomez fx what advice do you have for younger painters trying to get into the industry
0: well, you know, like I said uh, on another episode, it sounds like you people are not listening to your episodes. <laughs> um, uh, what was Gabe's thing? Have a Put your art in front of people and don't have a backup plan. That's, that was Gabe's famous quote on how to make it in the industry. But, you know, I think make first and foremost, make amazing work, make work that's so good that people can't ignore it. And be willing to go into uh, any. Sh- be willing to show at any gallery that will have you. Um, be willing to do all the uncomfortable stuff, like go and meet people, go to shows. If you if you can't get in shows, go and network and meet people and collect meet collectors and other artists. That's how I started doing it. I, I just I would <clears throat> I got into the Cannibal Flower group shows. Um. And I just went there and started meeting artists and it's, you know, so much of that is all about networking, you know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how. Well,
1: and I would say also take chances and, you know, take calculated risks as well. Because like, for instance, the whole reason, as I know, I've said on a previous podcast episode that I'm even sitting here talking to you right now. And the reason that I made a documentary about you and all of that it resulted from me seeing an opportunity and calculating the potential risk versus the potential gain and realizing that I had nothing to lose, but tr- by trying yeah. and, and by just, I tried, you know, I went out on a limb and, and started ringing the bell of somebody who didn't even know who I was, but it's like, well, I could just not do that. And it definitely won't happen. But if at least if I try, there's a chance it might. Yeah, the, so I would say the, that's a big
0: part of it. you know. And the first time you tried to contact me, I didn't respond or I, or what was, uh, you
1: gave me like a mild brush off the first time, but then the, when I, I kept, you know, I yeah. came back again. Again, yeah and
0: I just, yeah so it's yeah you can't you know i saw one Be guy persistent get, yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i saw one guy get i was in a conversation he was all pissed that he said he contacted me once and i never responded and he was all mad and i'm like i get people contacting me every day and you know i answer when i can but a lot of times it goes right by and it takes a couple two or three times and that's you know Other galleries and stuff are the same way. You have to keep bugging them until you until they tell you, hey, leave me alone. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Or they say, hey, I'll give you the time of day. I mean, that's that, you know, again, all cliches are cliche for a reason. And that's because they're true. And that's why they say the squeaky wheel gets the oil, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's it's a cliche analogy for a reason.
0: Yep. It's true. So, yeah, I agree.
1: With that. All right. Well, I thought that was good advice. So now we're going to get to David Sherman on Facebook. And he asks, How did David Sherman get so awesome?
0: (laughs) Well, you know, it's not about how he got there, it's just about how awesome he is. I mean, it doesn't (laughs) matter. When you're that awesome, it doesn't matter how you got there. You just are. (laughs) Right? I'm sure David, I'm sure Dave Sherman would agree with that.
1: (laughs) I I know he would agree with that. you would probably have a few more things to say.
0: Yeah, probably. <laughs> so I just don't think it's important how he got there. It's just the important thing is that he's awesome.
1: Well, there you go. Straight from the the mouth of Chad Czar, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Moving on to Instagram, we have human is Morganism. Humanism organism. Humanism Morganism. Okay, there I see it now. Know Thank him. you. I know him. He gave me a Although, sticker one
0: time. I put it on my easel. Oh, okay.
1: Humanism Morganism, although most, if not all, of your work primarily centers around morbidity, have you ever been inclined to paint happier subjects? I love your dark art. I was just curious. Keep up the phenomenal work, Chet. You're awesome.
0: Well, thank you. Well uh not really. How's that? <laughs> no, I, I, I would, <laughs> I, I, I want to paint, you know, I like painting dogs. I want to paint my dogs more, but you know, there's not, I just don't see the stuff I paint as, I don't see things in categories really of dark or light. To me, it's just what I want to paint, what I think is interesting. And for the most part, it's monsters and stuff, but, um, I also love my dogs. I love my grandkids. So I want to paint do portraits of them. Um sometimes I meet people or see people online that just have unusual or cool faces. I'd like to do a portrait of them. It's just what I find interesting, really. Well, sometimes
1: it's, when you do commissions, you end up doing that kind of, like that green the Greenspan, I think is a commission. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you I, know, that's a really sweet. It's like the the kid and the span. parent rubbing noses or whatever. Mm, yeah, yeah. And that Um, almost has like God. I I know I I won't be able to think of the the artist's name, but um, never mind. (laughs)
0: Because it's there's no point now. (laughs) Uh, I I, you know I pretty much paint what I for the most part I paint what I want. You know, unless I'm doing a commission where it's something that is interesting enough to do a commission. Um. I just enjoy, I like, I like the monster stuff. I really do. I just enjoy it more than anything. And I like that the element of creativity involved, you know, I like just being able to do whatever and, you know, there's, it's so it's like
1: free form because you're not going into it like, okay, well, if you're painting this dog, it's a specific form and thing, right. you trying to catch the likeness of it. When you're creating something from your mind, there's no boundaries. So it can right. have a bulge coming off its face with an eye over here. You know, it could do anything it wants to do. Yeah. You know, I, I, that's why I like to do that kind of shit yeah. myself anyway.
0: Yeah. It's that excites me. It's that potential for just total pure creativity. And, you know, you could do fantasy stuff that's not necessarily dark, but I just don't feel wired that way. It's This is the easiest, most natural thing to come out of me. And so I just go with it and don't really question it. And, um, you know, and also it's it was, it was in a way it was a tougher sell to do this dark stuff because at the time when I got into it or around 2000 when I decided to start doing it, there really wasn't uh, – <clears throat> I didn't see a big fan base there waiting for me, or I didn't see galleries that would show my work. You know, it was a total crapshoot. But um, but now that I but that I did kind of go start when it was not a huge thing, I feel like in a way it helped me differentiate myself from people that just paint stuff that's a little more traditional, like animals or p- portraits. Or it's I think it's easier to stand out. Um, doing that kind of stuff because it's not so popular in a way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, that's legit. That's my answer. All right. You know so what I'm legit tastes there. like? What? Peanut butter and jelly. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's my synesthesia for those of you who haven't heard. I have syn- <laughs> I have a – I forgot the name of it. Gas- gasto something synesthesia to where names and words have flavors, so. That's the first time I've ever verbalized that in my life in my 49 years. But I've been thinking it in the back of my mind. Every time I heard the word legitimate or legitimacy, I was thinking of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich.
1: Wow. Well, check it out, guys. He, he just spontaneously dawned upon a new form or a new avenue of his synesthesia right now. Yep. Okay. So <laughs> Facebook. Tyler that should Shorts. be one,
0: one last thing. That, that should be a, uh, a a an episode of the podcast where just people <laughs> just people send their names in and, all we and do what the flavors do flavors
1: are. of words and names. And names for an and hour. It might get
0: really, really boring. It would be the most boring episode ever.
1: No one would really wait around to hear whether theirs got called. Uh,
0: <laughs> or they'd hear theirs and they'd turn it
1: off. Yeah, they'd be like, fuck this. Okay,
0: <laughs> okay Tyler Schwartz.
1: Tyler Schwartz, Facebook, any tips on achieving that glowing light that permeates your Uh, work?
0: This is the question I was excited, so excited about answering because I read these earlier. Yes. Now, the thing about glowing, making things appear glowing, it took me forever to figure this out. And then when I did, it was like, oh, this is so obvious. The thing about how to make something look like it's bright and glowing is – Relative value. Um, Okay, I should explain relative value. So, if everything in your painting is light, you're not going to, like, if all your colors are very light and the values are light, you're not going to be able to make something look like it's glowing. If your painting is darker in value, you're going to be able to make the glow happen by painting something really light. So the important thing is to have uh, dark values around it, and that will make the glow dark, or light. That'll make the glow (laughs) bright and glowing. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so that's the key. That's the key. It's like you have to have the values dark enough in your painting to make the glow look like a glow. So what I usually do for glowing stuff is say i have like i want the window say someone's standing in front of in a a room and there's an outside it's very bright or the cigarette cherry on the cigarette whatever everything in the painting is going to be pretty pretty dark so and then i'll use sometimes i'll just use straight white because that's about as bright as you can get with paint that is as bright as you get straight up white i'll paint the window shape with white the uh, everything else is going to be a fairly dark value. And then when the paint is dry, I will sometimes glaze like an orange or a warm color over it. So that kind of stains. The glazing is where you use uh, thin transparent colors and that kind of stains the white. and gives it a, a color. Um, and But it but still, still maintains yeah, that vibrance. Exactly. And you could do the same thing with sp- straight color too you know you don't have to use glazing but I, I like I, I feel like the, the glazing really gives it more of a glow but it's really all about the tonal values in the rest of your painting
1: well you know it's funny because really that answer to that is just kind of like really translates to the philosophical answer to life you know because you how are you going to be able to actually see the brightness if you don't have some darkness to juxtapose it against there you go you know?
0: yes it's, so it's
1: kind of ironic really
0: yes it is very clever mike (laughs) i wasn't trying to be clever (laughs) Uh, back to instagram well thanks
1: uh south bay spike what was your best experience working with a band and which band was it with
0: well that would obviously be tool Mm um i only say obviously because they're like the only band I ever worked with (laughs) well no that's not true I did I did some stuff for a system of a down video for the song Spiders and that was cool and the the band was really cool Um, but I wasn't really into the concept of the video and I wasn't crazy about what they wanted us to do it wasn't really up my alley and it ended up being like body painting and some weird foam constructed roots and stuff um whereas the tool videos are just so full of cool effects it's just you know there's really uh, out of i always say the tool videos were probably the best that and the and the hellboy movies working with Guillermo were probably the best uh movie experiences i had as far as the content of what was created um yeah tool is unparalleled as far as having uh Creative freedom and working with people that have amazing creative ideas, you know, you know it's not going to suck. You, you know, Adam knows. I've said this in another podcast. He's got great taste. He knows what's going to be really cool, so you can kind of trust <clears throat> where he's taking you and where his um, that the ideas are going to translate really well onto film and all that. So definitely tool. All
1: right. <clears throat> that's I don't
0: think i That's, I've that's, tried uh, that's
1: to... peanut butter. That's peanut butter and jelly, guys. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> well, I was I was gonna say that's legit, but you know uh, yeah, I-, yeah, I might right. as well straight up say that's peanut butter and jelly, y'all.
0: <laughs> That'll be a little catchphrase. I'm trying to think if there's other bands I worked with. I mean, System of a Down, and God, it seems like there was, but it re- it really hasn't. If I remember them later, I'll I'll say something. Okay. Michael
1: Whitlock on Facebook says, have you ever o- overworked a piece? Does the motto, keep it simple, work the best for you, and do you recommend it for others?
0: Yes, I constantly have the problem of overworking pieces, and there are pieces that I finished that I felt were overworked. Um, that is probably one of the hardest things for me is to know, know when to stop. Um, and that's that's something I feel like I'm – always uh uh working on to get better at like being able to keep it putting the least amount of effort for the maximum amount of you know impact impact that's yeah so because it's you know it's a lot easier to i think it's a lot easier just to detail the hell out of everything it takes longer but I think there's a. It's more difficult to leave areas unfinished and to keep things looser. And I really respect painters like Gabe Leonard who can do things very loose and have it look detailed. You know, have it just look right. So, um, and then as far as keeping it simple, you know, it depends on the artist. I think generally keeping it simple is always a good rule for everything, pretty much. But um, you know, you can't say. Or Chris Mars, for example, to keep it that, that was funny you said that
1: because I was a, that was the first person that came to mind. I was yeah. like, but I'm thinking about Chris Mars, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's like you know, he's his thing is that cluttered feeling of you know many figures jammed in there, and it it's amazing, you know, and it, it works great. But so there's you know there's always an exception to the rule, um, but. Uh, Same with Giger, you know, a lot of Giger stuff's very busy,
1: super busy. you know,
0: that's kind of one of the, I mean, that airbrush, mm -hmm.
1: I guess airbrushing kind of lends itself to that in many ways. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. Um, you know, but Bekshinsky was very simple with his compositions. That's, that's one of the things I really like about his work and even for Zeta too. Um, so yeah, as a general rule of thumb, I think, yes, but there's always, like I said, there's always an exception to the rule of, yeah. Yeah. Yes.
1: All right, back to Instagram. We've got Izakazi. When you die, would you like to come back as a ghost that roams with no ability to affect the living or an object that when the living hold would instantly bring them happiness in any
0: situation when held? <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, That's a good question. That is a bizarre question. Um, izakazi has got questions, bro. <laughs> uh, I would have to say... Neither of those sound very appealing to me right now. That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> so like, no, what's no, the third what's option? The that, that's
1: I have a question for you in response to your question. What is the next option? Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I had to
1: choose, so p- how about how about you answer it like this? How about you just tell him what what is it that you would like to have happen when you die? Oh well, you
0: know, you if know. there
1: were an afterlife, or maybe you don't want an afterlife, but what would be your your model for an a, you know after you die?
0: Uh, I you know I think you basically I can't explain it. You know, well, I'm not asking about what you think happens. I'm asking you know, <laughs> like what I'd like to happen. You
1: would want to have happen? Yeah, like if you could have anything happen after you die, what would it be? That's what uh, he's asking. He's just giving you only two choices. I'm just giving you limitless choices.
0: Oh, I don't know. Everybody, I don't know. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he really shirked that question. Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody's so we're back got, on Facebook. Everybody's got their idea of what they would like there to be. Does it? You know, uh, <laughs> I'm just busting your balls. Okay. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's he's gonna t- he's gonna
1: take the fifth on that one, folks. So yeah. we're back on Facebook. Patrick Ty says. I've been noticing how sex and appearance at time help sales and marketing some of these artists. I feel like, yes, majority of them are absolutely talented and skilled. Do you think society look at men and women artists and see something that triggers their mind to think higher of their work because of it? Does sex sales in art?
0: <laughs> we got the gist of it, though. Uh, yeah, probably, you know, probably does. I think... I, I, am sure, um, anything that you're, you do to make yourself more marketable. If you, you know, you happen to be good looking, I, it's probably a smart thing to show pictures of yourself. You know, it's probably affects people in a positive way. If they like to look at you or whatever, you know, I, I, I don't think it's for everyone though. It's not like for me, <laughs> it's not going to work for me, so I'm not going <laughs> to go there, but you know,
1: well, you, it could work that work for you if you were painting, you know, these these naked, emaciated women or something. You know what I mean? All you know that I mean that would that could be also part of what his question is. I don't oh, think yeah. he's just saying like. You know, for how you, I mean, I, I get where you're, the answer you're giving him. Yeah. That like, if you're good looking and you kind of show off that you're good looking, but also I think he's also maybe talking about the content of what's oh, right, right
0: yeah. and whether or oh, not yeah, that yeah.
1: sexual, sexual content sells. Cause it, you know, plays to a baser level of, of our human nature, I suppose.
0: I, yeah. I think if, I, I mean, I would imagine it probably does. I think, you know, painting beautiful women is probably uh more likely to sell than painting some ugly creature, you know? Just it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna have a broader kind of <laughs> it's gonna yeah, it's gonna, it's like gonna have a broader appeal. So, uh probably, but now, I it,
1: you could paint what I want to see is a naked I want to see like a full body naked Chetzar monster, you know, with like all the flappiness and wardiness and stuff. You I, know? I, That's what
0: I want to see like I may have done I couple of those i think yeah i mean a couple that are
1: some like like the one that uh that that's in the documentary that's you did for um, god i can't remember the name of it now fuck i am really shooting blanks today but it's the one that was hanging in in the the um, studio where you worked and it's the big one that looks like the fawn and it's got the hairy chest and oh yeah got,
0: for the cirque Soleil. Thank so, you. Yeah, yeah. Cirque du Soleil. Uh, I'm over here. <laughs> Zumanity. Zumanity. Uh, yeah, that was probably the most erotic one. It's got an ass cheek in there. Um, uh, I, uh, I I think the most important thing, though, as far as selling your art, <clears throat> rather than trying to find a subject that's going to appeal to the most people, is to be authentically yourself. And that goes as far as looks. You know, as far as the marketing aspect of how you look as well, you know, some people, like I said, if you're, if you are good looking, you should probably use that in selling yourself and your work. If you're, if you're weird looking, you should use that too. Cause that, you know, that's interesting. It's more about, I think what makes you interesting and different, which, which is going to really resonate with people, you know? Um, sure sure so uh yeah and 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 same with the subject matter really if it's i I believe that if it's uh if it's coming from your heart people are going to pick up that on that on some level and that's going to make for more successful sales ultimately
1: Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so i agree 100 percent. cool okay so moving over to instagram we have oh wow see if i can do this here uh it just looks like S. Leopold Sullivan. Do you ever work in metal, like casting bronze or iron? And if not, why? Uh,
0: I've done some bronze pieces. I haven't worked with actual metal, like metal smithing myself. Uh, that would be fun, and it would probably—I would like to try it. Um, there's a uh, John Haley III is an amazing metal smith who does really great stuff grant standard does some really cool stuff in metal and he actually casts my bronzes that i've done but um you know as far as 3d work i really really love working in clay i can't imagine it getting any better than how clay feels as far as you know i just love the feeling of sculpting so all right that's that
1: uh, cool. Andrew Hawkins here on Facebook says favorite mythology and then in parentheses, Greek, Egyptian, Norse, etc.
0: Yeah, you know, it's weird about that. <clears throat> I always feel kind of stupid and guilty in a way because I never was into any kind of mythology as a kid. I never got into mythology and I'm really interested in it now. Um, but I, I can't say that I even have a favorite myth- mythology as far as a uh, probably the if I were to Pick, it would be something like the dark tower mythology from Stephen King is probably something I'm mm-hmm. really more into um, as far as class speaks to you on whatever level yeah yeah but I never really got into mythology I remember God I remember being even a ki- as a kid thinking that the the monsters and stuff from that mythology were lame you know it just did not appeal <laughs> to me it was just it didn't appeal to me for whatever reason um of course yeah as an adult yeah it's all really really fascinating and interesting now but um You know, I don't really have a, how about you? Do you have a mythology you like? I
1: like lots of mythologies. Uh, I mean, when I was a kid, I, I remember there was a mythology book at the elementary school that was one of those way oversized books that was mm-hmm. like, had all this amazing artwork in it. And then the stories would be all like large font, real small, you know, like right. placed throughout the pages. <laughs> but the vast majority of it was like this really cool artwork. And that's what I grooved on was I'd get that mythology book and check it out because I could just look at all the cool creatures that they, mm-hmm. you know, I saw, but I didn't really pay attention to any of the information in there. In college, I took, a couple myth and mythology courses actually. Um and 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 actually Chet, I think that if I had to put a finger on your key mythology, that's the Joseph Campbell thing. You know, oh, with, right. which yeah, is yeah. mythology yeah, in fact. It's true. classic mythology. It's just not, um, ancient mythology as it were, but we, you know, that was where I learned about Joseph Campbell was in college. Um, I would have to say if I had, you know, had to pick a favorite, I would probably say Celtic shamanism, Mm -hmm. um, just because I have Celtic roots, you know, I'm Scotch Irish and, and on one side anyhow. And so, uh, you know, I really, I've read a lot about Celtic shamanism. I find it incredibly fascinating practice it by any stretch of the ima- imagination. Mm. Uh, I've cherry pick from it like I do from everything else. Um, but I also really, really enjoy, and, and I've mentioned this before the, the Carlos Castaneda series of oh, uh, right. Don one books, but yeah. I mean, that's, I look at that as a, a pretty substantial series. And to really be able to grasp the whole concept, you really got to do lay in and read the whole 13 books. You know, you read like two books, you're going to miss it. You read three books, you're going to miss it. You really got to read the whole thing. So if you're not going to, yeah, it'd be a fun read here and there. And they're great for entertainment purposes, too, just aside from trying to actually learn anything. But as a body, um, I would say that it, it's been something that has corroborated more than anything else the ways in which I've found myself interfacing with the world and, and with the spirit as it were.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I, I actually have an affinity to that too. What would you call that mythology? That's like, native american what they, but it's like what they, call met-
1: it is they call it as they call it yeah they call it pre-hispanic Mesoamerica. Right, okay that's okay. what is, is what that would fit into is if you if you're looking at it as an a- actual anthropological study now there's a lot of controversy around that and there's a lot of people that say well he wasn't you know that right. was all made up it's real blah 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 but if you were to say okay pretend that doesn't exist and we were really looking at this as a mythology and you're not worried about whether legitimizing or delegitimizing, then yeah, pre-Hispanic Mesoamerican right. would be. And it and it pulls off all of those. So you know, there's a lot of that's pulling off Toltec and pulling off Olmec right. and Mazatec and even Mayan and Aztec and, and some of the other larger um, groups, you know. So yeah. I, mo- mostly we're looking at, again, the middle Americas um, and the ways in which they interfaced on that level. So I, I find that, I mean, I, I understand all of that pretty well and I've studied it a lot and I find that it's the most accessible for me. But, um, I, if I had to pick a favorite though, I really like Celtic shamanism. It's just <laughs> cool. It's cooler. Really. It's cooler than all that. Like that, the, the pre-Hispanic Mesoamerican stuff's cool, but not as cool as Celtic shamanism. But I, again, I don't know enough about it to really be like, yeah, right. you know, like, yeah I just know that they worship, you know, uh, or not worship, I should say, but that the um, wood has a lot to do with it, like, like oak, ash, and thorn, and that each different kind of wood, is you know, vibrates on a certain level and has more power, and there are different stages of wood that mean more or less, and people are aff- affiliated with different types of wood, and I know that it's just it's a very pagan, earthy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, connected with the spirit. It's almost like you know what you would what you would perceive the Native American religions you know, pre-Europeans to be like here, except for, you know, in, in England or Scotland or Ireland or whatever, you know? Right.
0: Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've always felt, I I guess if you're going to go into that area, I've always felt more connected. I haven't never felt much connection with the, um, the European, stuff i've always felt more of a connection with the pre-hispanic stuff myself and and i wonder if that's a genetic thing too because i'm you know uh like a quarter mexican hispanic Mm -hmm. um so you know i've always been really kind of attracted to the day of the dead stuff and um uh i've had when i've had some psychedelic experiences i've had kind of visions of a desert type carlos castaneda type Shamanism and deserts and wolves and uh, Native American symbols and stuff like that. <clears throat> so I, I definitely mm-hmm. feel like a little more connected with that. Um,
1: well, you were telling me about some like uh, connection you were having. Maybe it was like a, over a year ago about these flatheads. Remember that whole thing oh, you yeah. had? Like with, remember yeah, that? Right,
0: right. Yeah, they were very kind of like Aztec looking guys in you know, a vision. Yeah, that was a trip. Yeah, so I, I feel like I, Well, and it's funny for
1: me. I I relate to exactly what you're saying because of course the whole reason I'm in New Mexico was because here I am this like 15-year-old white kid comes down here on a family trip and I'm like, "Oh my god, like this is where my energy's from or at least part right. of my energy." Like I had like this, you know, groundbreaking epiphany while I was here, you know, mm-hmm. as the, as a kid and and then knew I would have to come back because and live here because like there's something about this place. Now I mean, Regardless of whether or not I stay or I go, the point is is that being in this place augments something that pre-exists in me that's energetic, and I know it is, and it extends beyond my physical corporeality now in this particular formulation that I exist in as my Carell, you know. Mm-hmm. And I can't explain how or why or any of that, but there's something in me that's connected to exactly the same stuff you're talking about, and All I right. really don't know where it's from or why it works that way, but it's what draws me towards wanting to study it and understand it and learn more about it
0: yeah it's interesting very interesting good question sure. how how many questions <coughs> do we have left because we're at about an hour Lots. right now so i'm wondering if we should should we well, stop one, and do a two, part two? Three, four, five, six,
1: seven, re- eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 hold on uh 15 16 17 18 19 20 yeah we have like plenty more
0: because we, <laughs> we could stop and then actually record the next one Still, you know what I'm saying. If you wanted to, yeah, and then have yeah. it as a backup. I yeah, I hear you. I if, hear you. <laughs> or we could wait and do it another time. I don't know if I have another one in me, honestly, right now. Well, do you want to uh, take the last one more? The net is. There, is the next question good? That's in on. The next
1: question is from Joe A. Dye, and it is, do you ever have nightmares about your creations?
0: Oh, yeah, that's a pretty good one. Okay, let's end with that one.
1: Yeah, I like that one too.
0: Okay. um, uh, No. All right, thanks, everybody. (laughs) No, I
1: really
0: really don't. I really don't. I don't have nightmares. I don't have dreams about my stuff. I, I don't see... Uh, my creatures and dreams at all. I, I but, he,
1: but I'm gonna. But I want to modify that because you always say that. But then you, you've told me this story about this dream that you had, and it's like it's totally sounds like one of your monsters. But it's like all cheesy and goofy, like the guy in the cage with the papier mâché mask right. and shit. Well, that, and that, it's all looks like it's painted with mustard. It's <laughs> like it sounds. It's super creepy, but it's funny, and it, it, it's it's kind of I mean, that's how your paintings are—they're yeah, creepy but funny.
0: Yeah, that's true, I guess. But for one thing, that's that was kind of a rarity. I, I don't have dreams about monsters hardly at all, and the 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 thing about that, when I do have those kind of scary dreams, it's like it looks like, you know, it doesn't look like a, a monster that looks looks kind of like paper mache. It's like a paper mache monster, you know. <laughs> With mustard painted on it, and the mustard's all dried and crusty—just stupid stuff, like uh, stuff you'd see at a carnival, Halloween carnival as a kid. I think we talked about this on that beer, uh, rock and roll beer guy podcast too. Oddly enough, but oh yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I I I wish I had dreams about my creatures. It would be amazing, but I I never do. It's it's I don't know why they they develop. They don't come from dreams, you know, or, or I'm, they, they, they just come out when I paint stuff, you know, it's, that's the only time I get to see them is when I paint them, you know, it's not like I'm even imagining them all the time. It's more like, that's that's how I get to see them is when I have to paint it out, you know? So no, I don't have that, uh, pleasure of having nightmares of those things and they don't scare me or give me nightmares at all. They they just I just don't find them scary. I to me the paintings are just I enjoy looking at them and they make me feel good. And that might be because I'm got a twisted sense of you know uh, aesthetics or whatever. But um, they I, I just to me they just seem cool and and I like them. You know. So, well, that's legit. <laughs> that's <laughs> I I think jelly. that what was that. That's peanut butter and jelly.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's peanut butter and jelly. We're gonna have to do that from now on. If so <laughs> I can remember it. I didn't take long for Batch to catch on, but that one is a, you know, pretty fun. Yeah. So what I'm doing is I'm just screenshotting these the remaining questions. Okay. So that we so that I have them on file so that we can record that as the second, you know, the follow up to this one. And I, and I probably would do another one right now, but I do have a bunch of other things I have to
0: do. That's cool. Um, We could do it whenever the next, next, uh,
1: but I, but I just, like I said, I just, I got the whole thing and I just made a folder for it on my desktop and it is DOSP and these are Q&A. So now we have all the rest of those questions guys, so don't don't feel like oh he didn't get to my question. I just saved all of them as images into a file on my desktop that he and I can access anytime we want. Uh, so we'll do that for the so, for the next one. So we yeah, can we'll have part one, 1 and then the next
0: one next week we'll have part 2 maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. Cool, just so we can kind of cuz uh it was fun and we can keep with the flow and all that. Well, we want to, I mean, that's, you
1: know, again, as you and I've, I think, discussed a bunch of times now, and and I actually got to say, I'm missing hearing you call yourself the dark art evangelist, because that was pretty funny when you were doing that, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we, we, You know, half of the whole dark, more than half, the whole idea of the Dark Art Society is about bringing together people that are artists and that are creative and coming together over these dark subject matters and benefiting from having the resources and the accessibility to knowledge and information. And so, you know, the Q&A really strikes to the core of that. That's the whole point. You know, yeah. we want to we want to answer your questions and and I want to be able to help facilitate check getting that information to you guys because, you know, he's got a lot to give.
0: Yeah, cool. Sounds good. We want to make sure the podcasts are interesting too. So hopefully, uh, everyone digs this one too. We're we're trying to keep it interesting.
1: Well, Chad, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you know, since you uh have this affiliation with the Day of the Dead, you've got to learn how to at least say Día de los Muertos, you know, Día de los Muertos, so that you can sound all
0: Spanish.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Muertos. All right, I'll work on that. I just love the Spanish language, dude. It's so it's so beautiful romantic and like it sounds like music i mean i live in new mexico of course so everyone has that like uh musical lilt to their Uh, to when they speak even though they're speaking in english and i just i it's i I just love it it's really i love spanish i I
0: want to learn spanish so badly i mean you know living in california it's or living in la is very practical to know spanish i just yeah I, i fucking took french in high school i have no idea why i did that i just didn't have the in junior high school, so I really didn't know shit, because that's when you're really dumb. Junior high. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, really <laughs> that, was, that was a mistake. I really, uh, I, I I, mean, I'm around span, people who speak Spanish all the time. Like uh, Fritz's fiance, Karina, is like, she's bilingual. She speaks Spanish, and she doesn't want to teach me. So um, I'd like to learn it. I do love the language.
1: Well, you could you could learn it you I could get like the rosetta rosetta stone on tape and uh listen to Shit. it while you paint and you Shit. you could learn it then I, could I mean I to took spanish. spanish I took Spanish when I was in the sixth grade with my parents because they were taking it at some high school and I was like a kid and I went along and I took it and then I took it for two years in high school so I have like a pretty good bedrock of it but I can't speak it you know mm. like in conversation I can listen to people People speak in Spanish and figure out what they're saying. Yeah, and I can formulate enough of a response in Spanish to actually somehow mildly communicate. Right. But that's about the extent of my my abilities with that language.
0: You know, I went to when I was eighteen. I went to Italy and worked on a film for three months, and I kind of learned a, a little bit of Italian enough to communicate basically. And so that, that's kind of <laughs> like Spanish a little bit. It's, it's very yeah. You know, so it's I Latin I, based for I sure. I can yeah. almost. Understand sometimes words here and there are speak- people speak Spanish but um, yeah we'll see maybe someday <laughs> anyway <laughs> tangent time well, yeah I was gonna say so you know who tangent about, tastes, who tastes like
1: asked about speaking Spanish <laughs> you know what tangent what does tastes it taste like? like tell me
0: it tastes like tangerine flavored yogurt my mom used hmm. to get this tangerine flavored yogurt when I was a kid
1: I wonder if that's because tange and tan. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Both some of them
0: are, courses. some of them are very much like, Oh, it sounds like that word. So that's why. But then there's like Kathy tastes like milk and there's no, right, right. you know, there's stuff. For- or,
1: or I asked you about that. I asked you about that friend of mine, whose name is Aaron. And you said she tasted like ammonia.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's He's just being honest guys. it's just weird anyway we'll do it yeah, maybe we'll do a mini episode someday about that like a 15 minute episode maybe
1: not we can squeeze it into the second one of this at the end we can just run through a whole bunch uh, a whole bunch of <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll just we'll just go a baby I'll pick name like book five names from each letter of the alphabet and we'll just cruise through them super fast you <laughs> just have to pay attention <laughs>
0: Okay. Let's well, this it has up. been
1: fun. Yeah, I got it. I'm, I'm working actually right now on a, a Kickstarter video and a Kickstarter project for Chris Haas and his band Ragwater out of Pagosa Springs, Colorado. And I've been just working on that video all day and it's, it's a lot of fun. Chris is a, a really photogenic dude. So I'm having fun editing the, the footage just cause oh, cool. he's not ugly and I framed <laughs> it pretty well. So it looks good. Yeah, He's definitely know? got a cool, cool look
0: too. He's got a cool
1: look. Yeah, Yeah. He'd be and a guy I'd, I'd want I'd, to paint.
0: He'd be a guy. He's got Chris a really guy, unusual yeah. look to his face. He's he really, really cool-looking guy. So yeah, I was I, I telling him, him too. He's like, oh, I don't know what you
1: mean. It's like, <laughs> nah, dude, trust me. You've got like, there's something about how you look. It's yeah. very appealing. You're yeah. you're an attractive, but not in a traditionally attractive way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I was working on that and I, I, am actually throwing together this little title sequence thing. It's kind of my own creative idea and I'm, I'm hoping to wow them with it. So oh, that's cool. been, I was around on that before we got on the, on the podcast here.
0: Can't wait to see it. Well, you get back to that and we'll, um, we'll, uh, do it again soon. Oh, awesome. Yeah. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in and please share and like and all that stuff. Cause we're still
1: getting the yeah, word out there. Yeah. Yeah. Some people don't know that this exists still. And again, it's like for every, I mean, we're looking at our views and we've got anywhere from, you know, on a, like a a lousy week, 330 all the way up to a thousand, maybe on a really good week. I mean, if, if there's that many people listening, if every single one of those people were to just tell one other person about it, it would be like, that would make a huge difference. So again, we're not asking you to bend over backwards, but, uh, you know, there is power in the people and that's what the dark arts society is all about. So thank you again for all. All of your pre-existing sharing and supporting and commenting and rating and reviewing and purchasing, head over to Chetzar.BigCartel.BigCartel.com <laughs> and you guys can pick up any merch from him. It helps support this this podcast and our ability to continue to do it.
0: Yes, and we're gonna start having guests on pretty soon too. I mean, I mean, we're, we're yeah, ready. we're yeah. actually we were just talking about that
1: before we started this yeah. episode. We were looking at some dates.
0: Yeah, we're gonna get Christopher Ulrich on here for our first um, our the... artist guest. So that's gonna be really cool. Things are moving. Things are moving forward. Yep. So, all right. All right, good. Uh, thank we'll you go for down. listening. Thank you all. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh.